talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Biggie. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the KIRP Radio Show. I'm your host, Pudgy, man. You guys know what time it is. Welcome to the show where we do shout-outs, and everybody is B.I.G. in my book. 
And uh, I really appreciate you guys for tuning in to this amazing, amazing show that I think we're going to have. I think it's going to be a blessed event. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some things that are, I don't know, some people find them scary. Some people find them interesting. Some people call it a fable. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast, and we're going to talk about different entities of technology that exist uh, that some folks might claim is the mark of the beast. And, and my question is, is it, you know, is it the mark of the beast? Is it a, uh, is it a such thing as a mark of the beast in the physical aspect of, of, uh, of existence? So, you know, that's what we're talking about tonight, man. We had a crazy show last week and, and I, I gotta say, uh, to a lot of people who listened to the broadcast last week, it, it was totally emotional. Um, you guys know how I do, man. It, it's, I wear my heart on my sleeve um, the things that I believe is 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 just is just truth, you know. It, it, I, I can't hide it. I can't sugarcoat it. And uh, you know, shout out to everybody out there who understands. You know, I mean, it's it's real serious business out here. There's a lot of things going on, and there's always something happening that uh, the general public just doesn't see or or could care less to to think about. So those are some of the things that we talk about on the show. Those are things that I like to bring to the forefront, and those are things that I get frustrated about. And that, you know, we're always talking about on this show. And uh, so, you know, to everybody who listened to the show last week, I let some words fly. And if it offended you, I apologize for it offending you because maybe that may not be your thing. And um, but at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. We are all people. We are all individuals and we are all children of God, whether you believe in them or not. Anyway, let me bring my uh, my, my co-host in for the night, man. My sister, Sonny Johnson. What's up with you, baby? Chilling, chilling, chilling. What's happening, Pete? Yeah, you always chilling. Like <laughs> you got the. Hey, you got I the, had uh, I had a little break, a little a little rest and relaxation. So yeah, yeah. I'm chilling now. That's good though. A little little R and R. Nothing wrong with that. Trying to get some R and R. And you know, this weekend, Sonny, I, I was all over the place, man. We had an event. Shout out to all my my people out there with the Love and Father Society (LFS). Uh, also, uh, Greensboro Healthcare, you you guys are B.I.G., the Baby Love Foundation, my brother Rashad Woods, who will be on the show shortly. You guys made, Sonny, we had an amazing event, man. A bunch of fathers out there, a bunch of black fathers, a bunch of kids out there. It was crazy. It was all love. Everything was peaceful. We had a good time. The kids were playing, running around, jumping, screaming, hooping, hollering. It was beautiful. And, and then after that event, uh, you know, I had to rush out of there. We we went to a Freedom Rally, a Tea Party. Uh, shout out to the conservatives for Guilford County, man, who are always B.I.G. in my book, and I appreciate them having me. They had some crazy speakers out there, man. The speakers were absolutely wonderful. I enjoyed every single bit of it, and, and we had a good time. Universal yesterday. Went to the park, did some walking at the lake. We had a good day, Sonny. This weekend was, this weekend was B.I.G., man, definitely. Hey, and that's what, that's what it is. I, had, I got to go home. And my father, my father is sick, so I got to go and spend some time with him and make sure my daughter got to spend some time with him. So keep keep my dad in y'all prayers, you know. But it was good. It was really good getting to see him and spend some time with him. And um, we went to the park with my with my nieces and my nephews, <laughs> and they ran around and they had a good time. And we Beautiful. went out and got McDonald's and we got crabs and we got shrimp and we sat and ate and got fat and happy while they. I mean, I mean, <laughs> in simplistic terms, do you feel me? Like, I like back it. in the day when it was just simple. Yeah. 
that's that that was my weekend, man. It it was full of joy. I loved it. But while I'm talking all this good stuff, I must take a moment to 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 flip in the girl mode real quick. Oh boy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, cause you know, I know y'all grown men, and y'all gonna do what grown men do. All right, <laughs> but us sisters are gonna call y'all on it and tell y'all, you know what I'm saying? You and your bike. Okay, and what you be posting online about how fast you be taking that bike into certain situations got your sister a little Uh, teased at you. So from now on, when you tweet that, you need to be tweeting, team, be safe or else, to make sure you remember that you got wifey and little (laughs) ones at home when you on that bike. Got me, bruh? I got you. I got you, sis. I, I, I can't even complain. Sometimes I push it to the limit. But listen, but... I don't I don't ride that bike reckless. Like I, I go fast. And hey, I, I ain't saying that you are. <laughs> I told you this is my girl oh, moment, so I'm putting it out there. Right, just to do right. it, not just for you. For all the other fellas out there that's thinking it's fun and it's cool and not paying attention what you doing. This is what they call it, a public service announcement. <laughs> PSA. Yes, it's a PSA. We want y'all around. Be careful on y'all bikes, all right? Summertime around, spring, you know, spring around. Everybody want to come out, you know what I'm saying? Have a good time, show off. Just be careful, babies. That's all I ask. Just be careful. All right, all right. I'll take that. Hey, man. Anytime somebody's looking out for your your the best interest of you, man, and it's all love. So I'm not complaining. I, I'll be careful. I just I just won't post how fast I'm going. And um, I know you got other folks complaining. My wife bugging out right now. Thank you, Sonny. I really appreciate that. I'm gonna get fussed out later. Anyway. Shout out to everybody out there listening to the KRP Radio Show, man. KIRPRadioshow.com. You can also find the show on blogtalk.com backslash KIRP Radio Show. We're also on iTunes. Almost 10, 10 million. 10 million, man. Did you ever? We're almost at 10 million listeners right now. We got a couple more 100,000 listeners to go, but it's that, that normally happens in about a week and a half to two weeks, sometimes three weeks. But um, the numbers have been piling in, man. I really appreciate all the love that we're getting. If you guys can't get us on the web or something happens and you break up, check us out. Just pick up your phone, dial 619-638-8559 to get us on the hook, man. You can get us on the phone. If you have a comment, hit number one, and we'll try to get you guys in as soon as possible. I talk a lot, so be patient, but enjoy the show. Um, Sonny, let me, let me ask you something. We had a conversation and uh, I know we got Charlotte at 815, folks. We got Charlotte coming up with the StretchingYourBudget.com report. So check that website out while you're listening to us run our mouth right now. StretchingYourBudget.com. She'll be on at 815, 820, somewhere around there in between there. We'll bring on after that commercial break. And I know that's why a lot of you guys listen to the show. So I just had to get that off my chest. But, Sonny, we had a conversation uh, last week, and um, something was on your mind. <laughs> and uh, I was wondering... If you could share that with the listeners tonight, because I I, I think it's important. I, I don't know, you know, if you were prepared to do this or not, but I, I just want. Do you remember what we were talking about? What the situation? Let me make sure I know before I go and talk about something that I <laughs> I like. Which conversation are you talking about? No, it was it wasn't a private conversation at all. You know, um, we were talking about doing a show on this. Uh, these two situations one you brought up last week about 
some certain individual, and please don't say her name, saying that our children belong to the government. I, I, I didn't understand that, and, and I was having a passionate moment at the time. I was really going off on the show, and I, I really didn't get the gist of what you were saying. So I went back and listened, and I'm like, wow, how did I miss this? I mean, first of all, her comment was stupid. Anytime you would you would incite that our our children don't belong to us, they belong to the community, and they belong to the government, and, and we're selfish for thinking that our kids belong. Sonny, where did that come from? Like, how did that even come about? Hey, you know what? You you know what kind of weekend I had this weekend? <laughs> you know, I had I had I had a real good weekend. Don't do that. You know what? How about this? How about letting me throw you on the spot? All right, go ahead. You know what I could really really love to hear before we bring Charlotte in? What's that? I love to hear some hip hop. P. I think we can since, do that. Well, I can't rap. Like freestyle, but I was thinking that wait a minute, you can. And um, <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. How about if Sister Deer throws Brother Deer right under the train and says, "Won't well, won't you do that instead? Won't I, you bless your listeners with your lyrics instead?" I couldn't believe she did this. For for folks out there that don't know. I'm uh, one of them uh, hopeful. I used to be one of those hopeful rappers that uh, that that luckily made money off of hip hop or, or rap, and um, it turned into a good thing for me because I got to see how evil the music industry actually is, and how negative the music industry actually is, and how folks really don't care about your children or you or the best interest for people. And it, and it, and it's really all about money. I mean, you got artists out there that really that that are passionate about their trade and that are passionate about you know what they do and they really take their craft serious and they, and they really want to perform and have a good time. But ultimately, what I saw was, was total total negative, uh, totally negative, and and you know it, it really turned me off. And I don't really rap that much anymore. But you know what? Just for you, Sonny, it's 814, folks, p.m. on the East Coast, krpradioshow.com. I'm going to kick one freestyle. We're going to commercial, then we'll come back with Charlotte and the StretchingYourBudget.com report. And after that, we're going to get into the topic, the meat of the topic, with our special guest on. And we're going to talk about the Mark of the Beast, RFID, and a host of other things that surround that topic. You know, we're we going to bring some Bible on in here. But anyway, um, Sonny. They got yep. conservatives thinking we crazy. Well, all Ain't we that wrong with that? Go. No, listen, listen. They got conservatives thinking we crazy while we defend, hoop, and holler about abortion and babies. And people try to play us out like our mind is gone, but really we sitting on the throne praying to God. We trying to fix it. And everybody talking about the negative while people looking at us at tea parties like we acting like we celibate. But really, I wish we would. Some days I wish we could climb the mountain to God and tell God to survive and take us away and take us to heaven. And one day we're going to sit back and we're going to sit back and look at everything and everything is going to be all right. That's the best I could do, Sonny. I know that was crazy, but... Ah! <laughs> Remember this number, 9.8. That's not the time on the shot clock. For the seconds left in the game. It's not the number of times I will light you up. Nah, 9.8 isn't any of that. It's ounces. And that makes this... The lights ever.
For all your trucking needs, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. That's Allen's Trucking LLC, owner Brian Allen and BA Welding Incorporated. For all your trucking or your welding needs or transportation needs across the country, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Their number is 919-426-5455. Again, 919-426-5455. If you have transportation needs and you need to get your equipment there on time, make sure you contact Allen's Trucking LLC. Some people say good things come to those who wait. Truth is, good things come to those who work. work later and work harder. You're willing to go farther than anyone else to get them. If you're waiting for good things to come to you, (laughs) you'll be waiting for a pretty long time. This is L.A. This is what we do. Welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show, baby. 619-638-8559. You guys know how we do it, man. You are B-I-G in my book, and I really appreciate you guys for rocking with us tonight. We got a loaded show, man. We got a lot of guests coming on here, and we got some serious, serious business to talk about. But first, we got to bring on that special person that you guys love to hear from all the time, and you love to hear how to save a couple dollars. Charlotte from StretchingYourBudget.com. Charlotte, what's up? What's up? How's it going? I'm subtle. <laughs> I'm good. What's up with you, man? How you doing? I'm crunk. I'm crunk like Lil John. Yeah. I know. You're excited tonight for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I had a good weekend. I mean, the, the weekend was great. And um, I had a blessed weekend, man. Let me tell you. We had a, we had some parents out and some kids out, and we did a lot of good things. man. You, you know I love doing community stuff, Charlotte. You know how that get me. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So um, how was your weekend? It was good. It went by really quick. I worked a consignment sale, and so that was, like, most of my Saturday. And then today we went to our local baseball team game. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we well, did. Got a little sunburn. Well, you know I'm on the air with, with Sonny, co-hosting tonight. Charlie. Hey, I have a few people that don't understand what the consignment shops is. So, can <laughs> you touch on that real quick and, and let them know what they're missing real fast? Sure. Um, well, a consignment is basically what it says. You're consigning clothes. So, this is for kids. And so, we can, um, like, you sign up and sell your kids' used clothing, toys, baby stuff. Um, they have cribs and all kinds of stuff. And um, 
then you can also volunteer to work, and if you work, like volunteer to work the sale, then you get to shop the pre-sale. So that means I get, like, first dibs on all this stuff. So, But you can just sell. So obviously it's another great way to save money. Throw that in there because if you are if you have all your baby stuff, instead of just donating it, while well, you can get a tax write-off, you can make more by turning around and selling it. So that's uh-huh. what we do with our used clothes and sign that sale. <laughs> See, now and that's local dollars, communities yeah. have them. Do the I one, think? the reason that I had, I had initially learned about it, as when, um, uh, when back in the day when, um, you know, a few of my, my a few of my girls, you know, got pregnant early, <laughs> and uh-huh. we didn't have, you know, money to do things, and we got turned on to the consignment shop, and we were able to help our, you know, our friends when they got pregnant and stuff to really find some good stuff at some really good cheap prices that we could afford at the time. And oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? If you don't want to live by the by the rule that the government runs, you know, owns your child and has to do everything for your child, you look for shortcuts. And finding a good consignment sale or a good consignment shop in your neighborhood is also a good way to help out people in your neighborhood that can't afford things like the the things for the babies, the cribs, the car um the swingers and walkers, feeders mm-hmm. and all of those type of things are there at really good prices. So that's a good way to, you know, help people. You know, if you're going to tell someone to keep a baby, go and help them out by getting them something for it. I'm sorry for cutting in on that time right there. No, I just thought that was important to throw out. It's, have you it's about money saving before. money, so it's not really cutting into my segment. That's, you know, what we talk about. Yeah, we're going to have say that. Yeah, I will say that, um, you know, like consignment stores that are actually in a store all the time are higher priced typically because they've got to pay mm. for the overhead cost, you know, to the rent for the building and to pay employees. But when you do these, most of the, like, consignment sales, there'll be a spring and a fall, and they're usually through local churches and that kind of thing. And so a percentage of what you sell goes back into the church. So even if you're not a member, um, you can sign up to work for them. Like, I was not a member of this church. It just happens to be near my daughter's school. So that's how I found out about it. But those typically are cheaper because people are pricing their own stuff and it, there's no overhead cost or anything like that. So that's just a little tip. So it does really help the community too. <laughs> no, that, I just, I just when you when you said it, it sparked something into me to make sure that that people actually understand what it is so they can really take advantage of it. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Charlotte, what did you have planned for us this week, man, if, if you had anything planned? I know a lot of times you give us, you know, pointers, and sometimes you have <laughs> tips, and sometimes there are things that we went over before that, that are always very popular, man, and, and, you know, any little bit that you always have to offer is absolutely wonderful, and I appreciate it, and I know the listeners do as well. But uh, what did you have for us this week? Um, well, I was just going to give you a few. Uh, you're probably tired of listening about tax, but tomorrow is B-Day, so for those of you who have not filed your taxes, Oh, you need to um, hurry on to your computer and do them tonight, yeah. uh, um, by tomorrow at midnight. So there was just a few. Um, I just kind of think it's fascinating to find these random deductions that most people have never even heard of. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of interesting for me, so I don't know if anybody else likes it. but So I just found a few more, not as many as usual. So um, I can, at the end, if you have any questions or things you want me to talk about, I can answer them but so the first two 
well, the th- two things that I really found that were interesting. Um, you know, we support our troops, and so if you are out there and you are um, in the reserve, um, so if you travel for the National Guard or the reserve, and you have to go away for your drills or meetings, and you travel from more than 100 miles away from your home, um, <clears throat> then you can deduct the cost of your lodging if you have to stay overnight, um, half the cost of your meals, plus an allowance for driving um, if you drive your own car to your drills. Um, and right now the mileage rate for um, any kind of travel expense for you to write off is 55.5 cents a mile. And if you pay any kind of parking fees or tolls, you can also write that off. So this is for military um, members of the Reserve or National Guard. You can write off your travel expenses um, uh, more than 100 miles away from home. That's just a quick, good little thing. Um, there's so many in our community and all over the world that are members of our Reserve and National Guard. So I'm sure there's even probably some listening. So And if, you, if you're not and you know someone that is, it's a good thing to share because um, I'm sure a lot of them don't don't know about that. So the other thing that I found is if you're self-employed, then as the owner of the company, you can write off or deduct the cost of your Medicare premiums that you pay. Um, this is for Medicare Part B and Part D. And if you pay for any supplemental Medicare policies uh, like Medigap, then you can write off. Um, an itemized kind of of 7.5%. So it's, you would have to talk probably with your tax accountant because if you're self-employed, more than likely you have someone that does your taxes. But just to remind them in case they don't know that you can write off if you pay for Medicare premium. And then the last little thing that I found <clears throat> is that if you refinance your home, which I know a lot of people have been doing within the last few years to try to get their mortgage rates down, you can actually refinance the points or actually deduct the points that you have to pay for the new loan. And so the amount that you can deduct for your refinance is one-thirtieth of the points that you pay. Um, So, for example, if you have um, a 30-year mortgage, you would get to get $33 a year for each 1,000 points that you paid. So $33 a year doesn't sound like a lot, but every little bit adds up. So that's just another little tip that you can hopefully try to increase your tax refunds so, and not give it to the government. <laughs> yeah, I can't give so them nothing. I got nothing for them, and I appreciate it, and I definitely want to try to use all that money that I can use and get all that I can get. So I definitely appreciate those, tip, those tips, and I know a lot of other people out there can appreciate those tips as well because we're trying to keep our little dollars on this side. Gas is high. Mm-hmm. Too high. Our money. Word, man, it's crazy. Charlotte, shout outs. No, you got some. Don't trip, don't front. Come on. I, I never have any shout outs. Come on, man. You got some shout outs over here. I have a small little bubble. <laughs> All right, well, shout out to Charlotte's bubble. <laughs> How about that? I give a shout out to your whole bubble. Hope y'all bubbling. Hope y'all all getting paper, saving money, living frugal. To Charlotte's, to Charlotte's whole bubble. I have- I have to say something really funny, and this might not be appropriate for on air, but um, my kids, when they pass gas, they call it bubbling. So when you said that, that was really funny. Oh, God. (laughs) Bubbling. Come on, man. You got it. I I had somebody laugh over that. (laughs) A lot of people laugh about bubbling. (laughs) 
Bubbling. So when you said that, I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, that's so hey, fucking bubbling. I know your kid's like, bubbling. Let me stop. <laughs> it's good because if I'm in public, they're not saying something really bad. Most people don't really know they're saying. Oh, I get that, though. That That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I get that. That makes sense. Cause they can just say it out loud. Like, mama, I got a bubble. <laughs> yeah, so then nobody knows. People, people, people in the store probably be like, oh, they got bubbles. They just don't know. They got to clear that out. It's about to go down. <laughs> So for all your parents out there, if you have trouble with your kids saying things you don't want them to, there's a tip for the night. <laughs> there's my shout out right there for the stretching your budget report right there. Shout out to the bubbles and Charlotte. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like that. You tell my kids you know, we gotta change our slang to bubble. Like if it's in public. I'm start saying they can be like, Daddy, did you bubble? Yes. That's exactly how it goes in our house. <laughs> I love it, man. Charlotte, you know you B.I.G., man. I really appreciate all that you do. Know everybody else does. Tell the folks where they can find your blogs and all your coupons and discounts and all that good stuff that you do for the public. You can find us at stretchingyourbudget.com, or you can find us on Twitter, at symbol stretchyourbudget, and that's stretch your budget. And you can find us on Facebook, um, you can do facebook.com forward slash stretching your budget or search under Tribe Super Saver and you'll find us there. There it is, folks. Stretchingyourbudget.com. Look her up. Facebook, Twitter, Triad Super Saver. She's all over the place. Charlotte, appreciate what you do. Shout out to your family and the bubble crew. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Listen to the KRP radio show, baby. 619-638-8559. Make sure you hit us up. Also, you can check us out on blogtalkradio.com backslash KIRP radio show. Got to go to one commercial, and when we come back, Mark of the Beast. Is there such thing? What's the truth? RFID, implants, all that good stuff, 666 barcodes. We're going to talk about it when we come back, man. We got an action-packed lineup who's got some knowledge on the topic. Right back. Listen to the KIRP radio show, baby, with me, Pudgy and Sonny. What's up? We'll be back. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to SoundChew.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com. The number one online music... It is my mission to create brand stories for you that push the envelope, force people to stop, think, and take notice. Ride with you on your journey to success by creating great design, 
that makes you look like the originator and not an imitator, get you out of your comfort zone, inspire you to take action, be risky, and always stay true to your passion. Tiffany Inc. is located in Los Angeles, California. Tiffany Inc. specializes in designs, creative brands for the entertainment, fashion, beauty, and food industry. Some past and present clients include Jill Osco, J&K Fresh LLC, celebrity chef Nikki Shaw, teen and family producer Doreen Spencer, the National Association of Veterans, the Alzheimer's Association, and a host of fantastic others. To contact Tiffany Inc., all you have to do is log on to www.tiffanywithaniinc.com. Tiffanyink.com 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every 110 children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at 800 442 Again, that's 800-442-2762. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. Welcome back, welcome black to the KIRP radio show, baby. It's time to get this party started. Just got to let everybody know, man, how to get to the show if you guys don't know by now. Check us out on KIRPradioshow.com. That's the blog. Make sure your flash player is up to date, folks, so you can get the show, man. I mean, you know, technology is, is getting better. Anyway, also check us out on blogtalkradio.com backslash K-I-R-P radio show. We're on iTunes, three words for the podcast, K-I-R-P one, radio two, show is three. Look us up. We're doing big things, baby, big things. Almost 10 million listeners out here, man, and, you know, we're doing it kind of big. Also, you got to check us out on Facebook. Uh, we got a radio show page on there. That's facebook.com backslash K-I-R-P radio show. We got blogs. We got Everything, man. Just look, Google us, KRPRadioShow.com or Google Insane Pudgy. That's me because I'm sure somebody done called me insane by now. But anyway, uh, moving on to the show. Moving on, moving on, moving on. I got to welcome you guys to the show, man. And we got a big cast today, uh, a, a lot of guests today because uh, this is a very serious topic. So let me get my serious face <clears throat> my serious face on, like Bill Cosby said. Serious face is on. I'm listening. Putting pups. Okay. Um First, I want to welcome to back to the show my co-host for the night, Sonny Johnson, Breitbart.com columnist. You know Sonny, man. She's done it big all over the place. She's got several movies out there. If you've been to the theater before, you've seen her in a movie somewhere. She's a movie star. She's an activist. She's, she's, I'm serious. I'm not just – see, you laugh at stuff like this. But have you not been on the big screen multiple times, Sonny? Maybe. 
Ain't no maybe in it. Sonny Johnson, welcome to the show. Also, moving on, welcome my brother, Vice President of the Loving Father Society, Rashad Woods. Welcome to the show, sir. How you doing? How's everybody doing? Doing good. Going? Yeah, we, What's we up, doing... Rashad? How are you? What's going on, Sonny? How are you? Chilling, chilling. All right. We also got a welcome to the show out of Wilson, N.C. He's a pastor. He's a doctor. His name is Rob Polchak. My, that's that, that's quite the introduction, Pudgy. Yeah, man. See, you like that, right? It sounds like family feud a little bit, right? <laughs> Good night. And also, I got one more guest right now. I actually have two more guests, but I, I saved the best for last because this guy is, uh, I told him a long time ago. Oh, I asked him a long time ago, man. Why haven't you written a book yet? Because he's always Johnny on the spot. He's an inspirational leader straight out of Wilson, N.C. Not sure where he lives right now in the triad somewhere. Uh, Minister of Thomas Ministries, and uh, he does so many great things, man. He's an inspiration to folks online. If you guys haven't found him, look up Thomas Ministries on Facebook. My brother, Corey Thomas, welcome to the show. What's up, buddy? God bless you, brother. Good to be hey, here. You, you notice, thank you, thank you, by the way, but you notice I didn't mention all the Duke stuff, man. I, I ain't let people know that, you know, you... You're represented for Wilson, but I ain't go there yet. We'll talk about that later because it kind of plays into what I want to talk about. And uh, I just want to say welcome to you guys. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad you guys could all make it to the show. And I needed your help on this topic. And, um, you know, at at any time tonight, if you guys, uh, you got the floor. So if I'm talking and you got something you need to say, you know, I I want you to get it out there. I want people to hear it. I I want us to be able to contribute to thinking minds, and I want people to leave away from this show having gained something beneficial to their lives uh, other than a lot of, uh, of, I'm not going to say we issue nonsense, but there's a lot of nonsense out there surrounding these topics. I'm sure you guys have heard a lot. So, um, you know, we're going to try to inspire somebody tonight. First, I want to start off by letting people know what an RFID is. You know, I invited you guys on the show with the premise of talking about our radio frequency identity detection devices, if that's what you want to call it. Um, RFIDs is is supposedly a wireless non-contact radio frequency electronic magnetic field device. It's supposed to transfer data. Uh, It's automatically supposed to identify you. It's kind of like dog tags or some sort of identification that can be transferred without actually touching you. And uh, these type of devices have been given the worst names known to man. And and one thing that I've been hearing a lot about is they've been called the mark of the beast. Uh, if you look in Europe, you know, they've been using these RFIDs in, in anything from uh, 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 animals, um, you know, their farm animals or their dogs, or and some folks over there actually using them in themselves, and they say that this is the safe way to go. So as I look at what's been happening around the world, and I can't help but wonder if this came to America, this Christian nation, would people be outraged by the by the premise of having to use an RFID to get their paychecks? I'm gonna start with you, Court. You know, and once again, Pudge, I appreciate you being having me on the show. The, the biggest thing I see with this, and they you call it the mark of the beast. First of all, to set the record straight, if it was to come to me, I'm pretty sure I would not take. Uh, anything putting me to um, be able to keep tabs on me. Right. But when, 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 I, when I read this and I do study about the mark of the beast, to me, the two things doesn't coincide. And it's just my it's just my understanding because when I look at it, you look at it 
the Greek word where it comes from, um, when you talk about the mark, mark comes from a word called um, chergama, from mm-hmm. the Greek word. Which the, the noun of that word is cheros, which is means to be engraved. Now, this RIFD thing is not engraved on us, which engraved means like a tattoo. This mm-hmm. thing is put under the skin that is not visual. You can't see it. It's underneath. But the mark will be a mark showing that's going to be on your body, mm-hmm. according to my study. So for me to go so far to say it is the mark of the beast, you know, it, it would be hard for me to say that that is the case. But right. it's getting real close, and we're getting to times that are scary times in this world that, you know, I don't even want to be tempted or even be anywhere close to anything being the mark of the beast. Boy, if you take the mark of the beast, then you cannot be saved, and I don't want to do anything that's going to take me from the salvation of my Lord. So, you know, we, we, we have to be careful when we say the mark. But Is that – but that's – that's the question, and I'd like for you to keep on, and then before you go to someone else to have you answer this one. Um, that's the difference. In the study, in, in what's happening now, it's kind of like, it's not, it's going to be, when everything happens, like, if you go in the sequence of the way everything is supposed to happen, I guess you could say by prophecy standards, wouldn't like isn't like the rapture and everything supposed to come before the um before the mark is even start given like you said once you get the mark you um you can't you can't reach salvation but doesn't the rapture come before the mark is even presented you know I I've done a little bit of study on it too but I haven't entrenched myself so but isn't that kind of the way that it's supposed to go that the rapture comes first and then the mark comes after uh, well, actually, no. I mean, when you when you look in the Bible and you read uh, about the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast comes in the 13th chapter of Revelation. Mm-hmm. But you also see, come the 14th chapter, it talks about the Lamb and the 144,000, which will be taken up first, and then those that are dead in Christ will be risen. So the mark of the beast does come before the rapture. So, and there's going to be times when mothers and fathers, babies, going to be crying, wanting to eat. And if you don't have the mark, you can't eat, you can't buy, you can't do anything. But if you get the mark, you're in trouble. So we're living in those times because all this stuff is going to come before the rapture. Pastor Polchek, what what do you think about that? Um, Well, I would start off by saying that um, I'm going to give you a very uh, politician's type answer. (laughs) Um, A person's eschatology is going to determine whether a rapture comes first or whether the mark of the beast comes first or whether the mark of the beast is even something that's still in the future. So you've got America is is inundated with uh, premillennial dispensationalism, which anticipates all the stuff that Sonny was talking about, a rapture and seven years of tribulation and and, um, then the return of Christ for a thousand years and a mark of a beast and an antichrist and so forth. Um, that, however, is a very young theology. It's only about 130 years old, and historically the church has had a much different anticipation of the future. Um, in fact, the, the the best record in terms of the, the oldest um, view of the mark of the beast is that the mark of the beast uh, was a, gema- a Hebrew gematria that referred to Nero, and it was literally his name in a numeric expression. Um, mm. Much like if you were to take your name and you were to take each letter and add up its value, mm-hmm. whatever total you came to, that would be your the number of your name, which is what Revelation 13 talks about when it says the number of the name of the beast. And so uh, the 
the oldest view, the, the historic view, so to speak, the view that, that sees much of Revelation as having, have, having taken place already, would, um, would not anticipate a future uh, sort of mark of the beast uh, coming. However, okay, so that so th- I, I, see, I, I just and, I just rocked your world, didn't I, Sonny? No, you no, no, you didn't. <laughs> um, I think so, but I'm clarifying to make sure that people understand. So what you're saying is that that the section that was written was written either during the time of Nero or com- or right after Nero, so that it wasn't a story about prophecy of what will happen in the future, but more about a description of what was happening at the time? Excellent. Excellent point. Yeah, because because Revelation, there are some prophetic aspects of Revelation, but they're at the very, very end. The majority of Revelation is an apocalypse, which is a, which is a description of end times kinds of events. Um, but our problem is that we are very historically nearsighted. We, if something hasn't happened in our generation, we don't think it's happened. And, and so there, there, are, there are various views within Christianity, and one of them is that the bulk of Revelation has already historically taken place and is not um, all future. And the most popular view in the United States is that the um, is that the bulk of Revelation is still all future, and that that just comes out of John Nelson Darby and, and dispensationalism that says basically everything from chapter four forward is is still future. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a view. That's that's how I'll say it. That's a view. Um, it is the youngest view in the church historically speaking. It is not the um, it is not the oldest view. And so it's it's still orthodox. I mean, I'm not you know we wouldn't call these people heretics. Um, it's the view I grew up on, but it's it's not the view that I embrace any longer. So let, let me let me just let me let me let me go back to um, the beginning. Just go back to the basis for a second. And Rashad, I'm about to ask you a question here. So the premise of an RFID, okay, uh, does not equate to what the scripture talks about in terms of being representative of a mark of the beast. But is this a positive for us? Is this a positive for uh, humanity, Rashad? Is, is, is an RFID chip something positive that we should be looking forward or, or something we shouldn't have to be worried about taking upon? Should, in other words, should Christians just chill out and accept technology for how it's e- evolving? <laughs> and, um, I think Christians have chilled out enough as of right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I absolutely don't think that is anything positive because uh, anything that's given to you that will reprimand you or cause you to have to fall in line or fall in order of the government can't be good. Anything that is given to you that's going to allow you to be counted be uh be accounted for and marked as a number, it can't be good for it that that allows you I mean it could be the same thing when they attach to your bank account, when it ties to your health care, it can't be good. What's what's good about that? Therefore that means it, it can if it's given to you, it can be taken away as well. Right. So I don't well, let, let me um, let me throw in here, Pudge, I I agree with that and I'd also say, again going back to historically being a little nearsighted, 
if you go back 80 years, there were people who thought that Social Security numbers were the mark of the beast. Oh, man. I really for, the same kind, for the same kind of reason. I really want to talk about it. And yeah. You're very right. You're very, very true. And, it's the, and it was the same premise, that this is a number you can't buy with, you can't live with, you can't live without it. And I would have, I would oppose the RFD thing, but I would oppose it just purely on the grounds of, of personal liberty and personal freedom. And I think that's a biblical concept. You don't, you don't have to be in fear of the, of, 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 of the beast. You don't have to be in fear of revelation for you to say it's wrong. That's on the, uh, Corey, you, you have any, any, uh, any to add on this before you know I go into another question, or, or we go into, uh, or, or do you have any, a question about this topic as, as we're talking about? No. No, you know, I, I think I think the guest brought up a great point when he brought up the fact that uh, about 80 years ago, you know, 80, 70 years ago, when people said that, that Social Security was the mark of the beast, we have so many <laughs> things that people wanted. They want to tie things into saying that this is what it is. As 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 the young man said, Revelation is a book of, uh, of of ideas. It's a book of what is to come. It's a book of uh, things of visions. And it's mm-hmm. it's a matter of who's ever reading, who's ever studying to put it into place. The right. one thing we do know is he's coming back. That's the only thing that really matters. Okay. You know, what comes before is going to happen anyway. I love it. On the air with Corey Thomas, Pastor Rob Pochek, Sonny Johnson, Rashad Woods, and also welcome to the show, my brother Joel Killian, who is late. Corey, uh, uh, <laughs> Joel, what's up? I appreciate you uh, pointing me out like that. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> See, it ain't always pee time in here, baby. I got a white man that's late. What's up? Hey, come on! Hey, but I have a good—I ex- have a—I have a good excuse. I had to feed my feed my girls, so that's important. I had to be—I had to be a good father, so yeah, that's more I, important. Yeah. See why you had to go there, man? You know I'm part of the loving father. So I, 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 I know. So I hard on you. you. Come on, you gotta like that one. Oh my God, man! Right. Hey, hey, listen, Joe. Look, I don't know if you've been listening or how long you've been listening, but you know we're talking about these RFIDs, and, and let's just yeah. face it. I think we're all equal on the fact that we understand what an RFID is. Most of us, as far as I can see, it's unanimous that none of us really support the premise of having an RFID. So I could really go into that and start talking about uh, control and democracy and blah, 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 blah. But I wanted to talk tonight more about the Christian aspect of a market of beast and more about the end times. You see, because personally, and, and I'll let the cat out of the bag, I know I had to talk about some RFID stuff to get folks to come in and listen. And, you know, folks don't want to hear us Christians talk about Christianity all the time. But you know what? We're going to have a little bit of church tonight, whether people like it or not. So I want to talk about what's more important in terms of reading revelations and how people should embrace it and what we must do not to pay so much attention to everything that's supposed to be the mark of the beast or everything that's supposed to be the devil. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think the yeah, first verse of Revelation is pretty clear about that. It's just the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book is about Jesus. It's about revealing who he is and his victory over evil. Mm-hmm. By the way, welcome That's to the party, exactly right. <laughs> Hey, Rob. Long time, no, long time no see, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, let, me, let me throw this let me throw this out there to you guys. And, and, and all you guys are, are what I consider true believers of Jesus Christ. Okay, and um, you know whether people want to appreciate that term or not, I don't know. I, I really don't care. But I want to ask you, believers of Jesus Christ, and 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 we can go in order, we can go online, or however you guys want to do it. But I want to start with you, Joel. What's the fundamental uh, respect of the Christian religion? 
fundamental respect or aspect? Or, or aspect, excuse me. What, what's the fundamental aspect of, of the Christian religion, of Christianity? Uh, it's unlike any other religion in that it is the call of our Creator to walk with us as friends, to know Him um, because we are His bride, to know Him and to be loved by Him and to walk in that relationship every day and to live out of that relationship which is the essence of what love is but it starts with loving him so that we have a proper perspective that will empower us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves but more importantly to love our neighbor as he loves us to mm-hmm. be his hands and feet and so it's it is an it is a relationship that is internal but it's also external, and it has to be both. But it's always that fruit comes from a root, so that root is that relationship, and as the res- as a result of that rooted relationship being grounded and rooted in Christ, we produce fruit. You know, I've never seen an orange tree say, man, I'm going to really work up a sweat right now and work up a- an orange, I'm re- or an apple tree. I'm really going to work it up to make an apple. No, it's a natural process of receiving nutrients from the soil being rooted in the earth. And that, and that, and that for us, would be Christ. And so uh, that, to me, is the essence of what uh, Christianity is really all about. Is it, uh, Pastor Polchek, yep. is it today, why is Christianity in its purest form so uh, ignored today? Ignored by churches or ignored by the culture? Just just, just in the general scope. Choose either one you like. It, it just seems like Christianity in the purest form, just a belief in Jesus Christ to take care of your brother and your sister, the fundamental belief mm-hmm. of Christ. Why is it so ignored today or, or, or not uh, paid attention to when, and not practiced? Well, I don't. I, I, well, that's why I asked you that question, and I would I would say I think it's 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 not seen by the culture very often. Um, we tend to get more involved in in trying to win our battles politically, or through through might and power, when the the scripture seems to indicate that the way God brings about victory is often through loss or defeat, or suffering or treasuring Christ above loss and defeat and suffering, and um, that's not a real that's not a real popular message so culturally the the culture doesn't very often see um genuine christianity authentic mm-hmm. christianity right and in the, the the culture doesn't see it very often because it's not very present in the churches and quite frankly the reason it's not present in very many churches and again i'm speaking very generally there's obviously people who are committed to christ and there are obviously churches who are living out authentic community in, in some way or another but generally speaking, the way it's not the reason it's not very prominent in churches is it's just not popular. It's just not popular to get up and preach God's word truthfully, unadulterated, without making promises that you can't keep. And and by that I mean promising that the only thing God wants for you is that you be healthy, that you be wealthy, that no bad stuff ever happens to you. That is not the Bible I read. And and <laughs> So when, when we when we have, as some of the most prominent pastors in the United States, those individuals who only promise you great things, that's a problem. 
quite frankly, if you're living your best life now, you're going to hell. That's the reality. That's the reality. Corey, Corey Thomas, what do you think about that, Minister Thomas? <laughs> that, that's a strong brother that's my friend. You know, I agree. I, I agree with my brother. You know, you know, one thing people do not uh, really think about anymore. They don't look at the, the one passage in the Bible where Jesus gave the parable. He said, "What man would go and be ready to build a house or do anything without first counting up the cost?" Mm-hmm. There was a cost to this thing called Christianity. I mean, yeah. Christ, had to, Christ had to give up his life. So this this is. It, it, is, it is simple, but it's not easy. When right. you accept Christ and you live this life, that is a fruitful life, that is a great life, but there is a cost. You have to surrender your all. You have to give everything to him. You have to be willing to cross the line and say, now, God, I give my life back to you, to use it in any way. But so many people mm-hmm. now are drawing people into the church, trying to get them in the church, but they're not telling them the cost that comes with it. Mm-hmm. There is a cost. <laughs> but now the cost is a good cost because you gain eternal life. But here on this earth, there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some times when people don't even want to even be around you. Because mm-hmm. the Christ said that they did it to me first. And if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. Mm-hmm. So there is a cost. Salvation is free, but this life has a cost to it also. And, and people don't preach that no more. They preach well, Let me ask, can... and, and any of you can take this. This is something that, I, that, um, that I've been kind of studying on now. Um, a lot of people don't understand the covenant, and I think that a lot of the problems that modern-day Christianity faces is that we have preachers and not teachers. So mm-hmm. they don't go in and actually, like, teach the covenant and the difference between law and grace and what those two covenants mean and how it affects how we worship today. So anybody, jump in. And talk about that, the the two covenants of law and of grace. Well, I'm always happy to jump in. I'll tell you that um, although although we describe them as law and grace, both of those covenants are tremendously gracious. Um, The Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenant in Jesus' blood are both based on what are called suzerainty treaties, which is a very strong individual, a suzerain, a king, who makes a treaty with a vassal, a very poor, weak person, and that, that very powerful person makes some commitments and promises as far as protection and benefits to that weak person, and in response, they simply demand loyalty, absolute loyalty from that weaker person to the, uh, the, the greater person. And so in the Old Testament, that covenant is, is designed in such a way that the way the, the, way the children of Israel demonstrated, demonstrated loyalty was faithfulness to the terms of the covenant, which is what we call the Old Testament law. In the New Testament, it's the same structure. There is this great king, God, who is a suzerain, who's powerful, and he promises us benefits, and he promises us protection in, in, in and through Jesus Christ. And we're the weaker person, and he demands that we have loyalty to him. And the way we demonstrate that loyalty is absolute faith and dependence on Jesus Christ and obedience to Christ's commands. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you will obey what I command you. And so both of those both of those covenants are, are very gracious. And and so the the in the New Testament you just have the uh, the only stuff that applies sort of from the old is the stuff that gets repeated. But it's not as if the Old Testament is all about obedience and the New Testament is not. 
it's about obedience. It's just obedience in a different direction with a different motivation and a different power source, so to speak. Well, tell that's kind of what I want. What's the difference? What's the difference? Because I had a conversation with um, someone really close to me this weekend, and you know, she's kind of in turmoil, and she feels like she can't run to Christ because she didn't keep the first covenant. You know, like she didn't live by the law, so to speak. And so now I'm trying to under to, to get her to understand the second covenant of grace that yet, yeah, you know, you might not have lived by the laws but you can be forgiven. And that's the kind of that's what I think the message that is missing. That idea that a lot of us walk around with that guilt of the past, those weights of the past. Mm-hmm. So much to the point that we cannot see grace, and that's kind of that's kind of the angle that I was going through. How do you get modern day of those who are ruled by law and can't get to God because they don't know grace? Well, for for me, I, I point to the fact that the Scripture teaches that that Jesus took the penalty for all of that. And, and one of the things I would do with a friend like you're, with, what you're talking about, I would, I, would, you, I would utilize a very common analogy, a very modern analogy of contracts. Um, when, a, when a union or when, a, when an organization has a contract and then they negotiate for a new contract, the only stuff that applies in the new contract is the stuff they agree to. The old contract is no longer, it's null and void. It doesn't apply to you anymore. And so when it comes to, when it comes to Christ and when it comes to this friend of yours, my, my description would be, you need to worry about the new covenant in Christ's blood. The reason that we have that covenant was because the old covenant was pointing us to that. The old covenant was teaching us that we could not obey Christ on our own. We could not please God on our own. Mm-hmm. We needed Christ to step in. We couldn't fix it, which is the fundamental difference between Christianity and every other world religion. Christianity says we can't fix this. The problem needs to be fixed from outside of us. And Christ is the one who does that, which is why Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We don't have the capacity to please God on our own. Even if we tried to follow the letter of all 600 Old Testament laws, we can't please God on our own. We don't have that capacity. So he sends Christ to fulfill that law on our behalf, and we receive the benefits. It's the great exchange is what Martin Luther called it. We get all the benefits by trusting in Christ. It's a gracious gift, and it's only pride that keeps us from saying, I don't want that gift. I want to earn it on my own. Wow. And now that's exactly what I told her, but I wanted one of you guys to come out with it instead of taking the time out. <laughs> that, that's, that's beautiful. But if, if somebody else can talk <laughs> on that from different perspective or a different point of view, because seriously, I think that 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 – they have put us into groups. You're you're white, you're black, you're female, you're male, you're this or that, and and we start looking at ourselves through those groups and not looking at ourselves through God's eyes, and mm-hmm. and that's where you have a lot of people who miss grace. So mm-hmm. anybody else want to take it and 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 put it into that perspective of what that means, the first covenant versus second. Joel, let's go to Joel. Joel Killian. I think we still got Joel on here. How about you, Rashad? Rashad yeah. Woods? Oh, you want to you take that, Joel? And uh, when she was talking yeah. about, you know, what grace means to you? 
Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I, I, I had it on mute. Um, no problem. Listen, I didn't know where to take this from, so I'm trying to make this as practical as possible. I think when we look at the Old Testament versus the New, um, and talking about those different covenants, uh, from my perspective, uh, it looks like what we see is an angry God in the, in the Old Testament and a, and a kind God in the New, uh, angry in the Old, nice in the New, and it seems like God's somehow schizophrenic. Um, but I think if we look at the whole Scripture through Christ, Christ is perfect theology, and we look at his life and we look at his ministry, we look at the words that he spoke, the things that he did, um, the entire book becomes brand new. Um, the idea of God's wrath, for instance, one of the keys that I always hear from people who say, I want to get raptured out of here so that I don't have to experience God's wrath. I, to me, that seems like a very warped perspective of God's wrath and even of God's judgments. Um, David had an understanding of grace. He had an understanding of God's judgments. And he was a man of grace before the age of grace. He, he literally, he lived in a time that he wasn't supposed to be living in. He, he lived in the kingdom. This is why he, he moved the ark into one room, David's tabernacle, and he lived in a place where, you know what? I know the law says I need to have one man go in once a year, the day of atonement, to give offerings, and I'm not that man. Uh, he said, no way. I'm going to minister before the Lord, and I'm going to have God's Levites come in, and we're going to worship before him. And so he lived in that place before he really, quote-unquote, should have. And so um, when I look at the, when I think about the judgments of God, David, who obviously lived in a very pr prophetic place, said that the judgments of God are to, to be desired more than gold and even fine gold. Um so when I think about the, the wrath of God, I think of a story that was told by a friend of mine. Uh, he said that his wife, he and his wife were out in the garden one day, and their son was off in a distant part of the field, and he was being attacked by hornets. And he was sitting there, you know, kind of shocked, what's going on. His wife sprints across the yard, and he has his eyes squarely on his child's face. His, the face of his child turns from dread against those those wasps to dread uh, that was coming from his mother. So he was terrified of his mother because the mother was running at him angry at those wasps, angry at those hornets for attacking her son. He misinterpreted this wrath as being against him. Oh, we, think, we think God's wrath is directed at us when really... His wrath is directed at that which is trying to hurt us and destroy us. Hmm. His love for us is what motivates that wrath and those judgments. His judgments are good. They are to be desired. And so, for me, I don't look at it as I'm getting a spanking. He hates me. I remember what my parents said. I'm spanking you because I love you. <laughs> There's that uh, wrath. <laughs> so, it's, it's not it, – it, it's, it's love – but it's not the love that we're taught in American Christianity. For me, I'm not looking forward to a future escape. I'm looking forward to shining and scattering salt all over the place in the darkest days, in the most where there's the most cultural and societal 
uh, infection. Salt is for infection. Light is for darkness. I don't want to get taken away. I want to stand. There is no armor for the backside, as they say. I'm not ready to run. I'm ready to run toward toward the battle. And for me, I'm not. I'm not dealing with a. I'm not dealing with an identity crisis where, um, if I'm in sin or if I'm if I'm doing something wrong, that I have to constantly try to earn my love from my my father. Mm -hmm. He loves me. Period. And, and that's and I would great, right? And 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 yes. that is what's missing. Nobody nobody teaches that, and that is what's missing above. And that is the thing that will make someone run for the chip instead of having faith that God provides. And I think that to bring everything back around, that's the problem with the chip. The problem with the chip, the person who receives the chip. Forget who created them Because now they're thinking About the chip And how the government can track them And you know it's always like being The chip comes like your sin consciousness If you put it in like In the biblical terms The chip becomes your sin consciousness Because instead of focusing On all of the things that God Can provide You're focusing on uh, this thing Underneath your skin You know, you're focusing on things that you can't control instead of focusing on that unmerited favor that is coming towards you. And I think that that's the most dangerous Mm. part about this chip. It's not so much, even though I'm against it for the the same reasons, the civil liberty reasons, the ability to track and follow, the ability to monitor your money money and your accounts, I'm against it for all of those reasons. But I'm mostly against it because of the power that it gives to the people who put it in to make you forget who created you in the first place and why. Wow, I like that. I like that, mm-hmm. Sonny. That, let's let's go to a call. I got a few callers here, and I need to get one of them here real quick. Uh, out of the 919, Kev Davis, how are you, brother? What's happening, people? Good, man. How you been? Good to hear from you. Oh, man, you know me, running that marathon. Yeah, I saw that. I saw a little marathon that you, that you that you put up. Anyway, anyway, I won't put you out there like that. That that beautiful place. But, uh... <laughs> so, so what you, what you got for us, man? I, I know you you had a question here or something you wanted to chime in on. Yeah, man, I was just listening, man. I, I like what all y'all had to say. You know, y'all here doing y'all thing, y'all representing. But um, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things, if I get a couple minutes. Um, one thing, you know, Sonny, to, to to jump in real quick and just to talk about a little bit about what you talk about with your with your friend is that, you know, in in addition to grace, we as we as as people we tend to look at and look at ourselves as as and and judge ourselves according to what man does instead of looking at instead of instead of looking at ourselves through the eyes of God. You know, when you look at the book of Romans, chapter 8, it talks about there's now no condemnation. We walk around as humans condemning ourselves because we don't we don't measure up to a particular law. Mm-hmm. You know, but that scripture goes on, you know, to, to, to talk about, you know, uh, Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. So that book of Romans, I would encourage you to, to have your friend really go through the book of Romans because that book of Romans really mm-hmm. digs into exactly what you're talking about, talking about grace and talking about, how to 
how to really look at yourself through the eyes of God instead of looking at yourself through the eyes of man. Amen. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at ourselves through the eyes of man, we will never measure up. No matter no matter where we go, no matter how far we've come, there's always going to be somebody looking at us like, yeah, I remember her when she was over there in that thing doing it. You know, somebody's always going to look at you crazy <laughs> yeah. and call you back. You know, well, no let me, what, let me, because you're on doesn't. here, and I can do this, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know how we do. Because I remember having this conversation with a certain person. <laughs> okay? Well, I remember me and a certain person having this conversation. And what I brought out was that this is a feeling that a lot of men have. Um, whereas you know, they've kind of reversed our roles, so to speak, and so you have all of these strong, confident, you know, independent women, and this is not, uh, this is a generalization, so I'm not talking about all men. If you out there doing your thing, I'm not including you in this, but some men have that inferiority complex, and it's kind of been the way that we've been raised, and their voice isn't good enough. Their voice isn't big enough. No one cares about what they have to say. Um, their situation will never change. It will never get better. Or someone else has to do it. It's someone else's job. I'm on a phone full of men, and I'm the only female. Yeah, you are. And, and please talk to the men out there about this subject because, a lot of men deal with this, and they have these ideas, they have these skills, they have these abilities, and they are petrified to put them out in the mainstream because of exactly what Kev said, that someone will always see them for what they were and not what they're trying to be. So well, what, are they being measured, what, are they, what are they being measured up to? What are, they being, what are they being compared to? I walk around in a uniform, which is my suit, and tie all day long. Now there's a lot of people that there's a lot of kids that don't that they look at me, they say yo this dude's a nerd this dude's a square yo he's lame and all this other stuff, and they but they would rather look a certain way you know what are they looking up to what do these people have you know in terms of an image of what a man does you know a lot of us a lot of us this is a whole another generation you know families are not uh, 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 men and women are not getting married younger and staying married longer. You know, people, it's not the whole The whole definition of a family is different today. You know, when you look at families now, uh, versus 50 years ago, two-parent household, you know, raising their kids, working, doing all that other stuff. Now you have the, the, the family is different because you have single single mothers. That's a family. You have, you have other people that, you know, I mean, I'm not here to debate this issue, but you have other people calling a family uh, that, that have two men. Two women that are married to one another. That's a family. The whole family structure is being redefined. So when you look at the role of a man and what a man um, used to be, and what, but I'm, I'm sorry, I take that back, from used to be to what, what he is now. A lot of us are. What are, they, what are they looking at? What are the examples? But I just want to jump into one more thing real quick. Um, before y'all was talking about Christianity, and, and uh, somebody mentioned something about culture and what is not being preached or talked about. One thing that's not being talked about is holiness. Holiness, holiness, holiness. And, and, and when you look at the, the correlation between the Old Testament and the New Testament, people want to hold up things in one or the other. But if, if, if it's something that was written in the law 
and that if it applies to the new covenant, it carries over into that and is referenced in the Bible. So when we look at Leviticus, it says, uh, uh, be ye holy, for I am holy. First, in First Peter, he mentions that. He talks about the Lord said, be ye holy. You know, so when we look at holiness, that's not talked about. The way we, the way we talk to one another, the way we live our lives day in and day out. You know, Christ is the mark, you know, and, and that's, that is our high calling. That's what that, that's why he said, I press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. What is that mark? What is what is our aim? And let's walk that life. Holiness is a big part of it. But you don't hear preachers talking about that that much. Or if they are, it's not these these people that we hear on TV. They talk about how you obtain possessions, physical possessions, or how do you do this, or how do you Amen. get that. But who's talking about how we are supposed to live? Day in and day out, you know. And I, I then like when we look at, and then when we look at all of the all of the sins that the Bible talks about, when it talks about holiness, we want to we want to talk about homosexuality and abortion. But what about gluttony? What about lying? What about stealing? What about all of these other things mm. that the Ooh. Lord talks against? We need to get back to holiness. And once we bring holiness back into the yep. church, man, we're gonna turn this whole thing upside down. Six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. Listen to the KRP Radio Show. The topic is end of the world, end of times, mark of the beast, Christianity. You name it, we're talking about it. Hit us up, hit one if you got a comment. Uh, who was about to make a comment just now before I rudely interrupted uh, with my drop? That was shy. That was me. I wanted to say this. Um, John fourteen, chapter fourteen, verse six. Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me." Mm-hmm. And I think when we first start talking about that, it's saying, you know, what people expected from Christianity or, you know, what was the aspect of it. That's it. You can't get to there, to the Father, but through Christ. So everything else, should kind of, I think, should fall in place. You know, I think it's a level of accountability with us, as Kay was saying about holiness. Mm-hmm. Also, there should be a, a, a sense of accountability. I should be able to hold, hold my Christian brother accountable for the things he does and, we should work as brothers in Christ to be able to try and get us to that point of holiness. So, you know, I should be able to, you know, Co- collectively speaking, put yes, collectively put it in, put it in place. So I see, if I see P slipping on his whatever he's doing, you know, not doing what he's supposed to. I should be able to correct him, you know, in a Christ-like manner. And also, mm-hmm. it should be that be be that. And that's what we're not doing, you know. And we talk about the laws that we have as far as, you know, let's say government. God gave us the laws. He gave us the laws. You know, we just choose not to follow those. So, you know, you know, there was laws put in place before the real laws were there. Yeah. And people you just know, choose not to follow them. You, you know, one of the things, one of the things I heard your your, your co-host Sonny talk about when she talked about her friend and when she talked about uh, men you know, can't really face what they've been or don't want to let anybody see where they've been. In the Old Testament, whenever the man of God anointed someone, when he poured oil over their head and mm-hmm. it went in their beard and then it, it hit their the robe and it stained the robe, because if you ever anoint anybody with the, the olive oil, it stains, and that stain doesn't come out of your robe. Mm-hmm. But it was a sign letting everyone know that this person was anointed. And mm-hmm. if you didn't know that person, you would have thought they just had a dirty robe. Well, the same way it is now, when God comes uh-huh. and put his hands on you, he's going to anoint you, and there's going to be some things that's still on you that is stained 
when people see you, they say, oh, that's that old drug dealer. That's my thing. <laughs> but you think it's a thing, but it is my anointing. It is mm-hmm. what God has showed grace for me because now the old drug dealer, now he showed grace and saved my life. The old whore that I used to be, he now said, I forgive you of that, and I put anointing on you, and now my grace is sufficient for thee. So what people have mm-hmm. to stop, the thing that people have to realize and understand, wear your stains. Wear your dirty clothes because mm-hmm. now I'm giving you the Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all going to make me preach. I better go home. Preach, uh, bud. You better preach, preach. boy. Preach. You on, right, on the right network now. It's how we do it. The mm-hmm. radio show. Uh, listen, man, I, I just want to – I've heard a lot of a lot of positive, a lot of meat, and, and, and everybody is Johnny on the spot. And I just want to go back here for a second to uh, a, a whole – Collectively, what some folks were saying here, and I just want to dish this out to you guys, and and may, and maybe you pastors and, and and you men and women of God, you guys can respond to this. Um, the communities are hurt, okay, and and time after time again, we keep hearing that it's the church's fault. The churches hadn't done this. The churches are letting us down. The churches are the leaders of the community. The churches aren't doing this. Well, everything that I'm hearing right now that you guys say. It's all positive, and it's all needed communication. It's, it's all needed information that you guys are giving. It's all needed scripture. It's all needed truth, and we're getting it right here on the KRP radio show. But what hap- what's happening is, and, and, and I don't believe that this stuff is not preached in the church, you guys. I think it's not popular. I, I think that, you know, mainstream media don't put it out there. You know, we don't see it on TV, but each one, none of you guys go to the same church. None of you, and everybody's talking the same, so it's been preached somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, let me the, the let me is, hold, hold on one second. I, I think part of the problem is though. I, I think part of the problem is, and, and this is what I want to hear you guys go on. And Sonny, you you first, please. Is the community aren't that inviting anymore? Rashad, you said that in the speech before. The community is not that inviting anymore, and they don't want to be led by the truth. So how do we get that community back into the truth? Well, I would just start off by saying I'm learning about grace now. Uh-huh. So I'm in I'm in my studies, I'm in my growth of grace. So it's not long held for me. I knew law. And because I knew law, I ran from God. Okay, mm-hmm. because I did not have an understanding of grace when God told me something and I failed at it, you know what I'm saying? I I would run away from him. Mm-hmm. And and that's the point that I was trying to get across about it. And we didn't grow up with grace. We grew up with law. This is the way it is. And if you don't do A, B, C, and D, then what the hell? Yeah. And I have messed up on A, B, C, D, E, and F. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm done for. I mean, what's the point? And so you have God coming and like like the uh, pastor said, anointing my head, saying, I got a job for you. And I'm like, me? What you? What do you mean, me? And, you know, so it, it threw me into confusion. The same confusion I know Kev had. Probably the same confusion you had, Rashad had. All of us who came from that place, and I don't want to leave none of y'all other pastors out. I just kind of know my guys a little bit more. But all of us came from that place where it was easy for us to stay stuck. You know, and yeah. and... Hiding from God is a lot easier than, like they said, weighing up the cost uh, of changing your life and, and giving it over to Christianity. 
And that's that's kind of the point that I would like really and strongly to bring across. And anything, I would like to go back to Rashad and have Rashad speak on this for a second because he is the uh, one of the younger guys. He did come up a little bit closer to, to you know, what we're dealing with in the age group that we have to reach now. Did you go through that feeling, Rashad, and how did you get yourself from point A to point B and learning that it wasn't, you know, that you were worth that anointing, so to speak? Well, I first can say that, uh, you know, I did grow up. I used to be, you know, my, my grandfather and I, we used to open the church and close it. <laughs> so, you know, I had that in me. I, I He instilled in me, and, you know, it was just the church was a part of my life. And as a young man, I did have a kid, which, you know, that brought me some type of uh, maturity in a sense. But then it was something that I always felt like um, I kind of ran, ran from. But, you know, and I was just telling Pete the other day, man, I've been told several times, several times, um, I spoke at a at a funeral. Uh, that's what I preacher. I said, no, nah, I'm not a preacher. Say you're on your way. And I just heard it so many times. But knowing you know, just being getting married at a young age. I married this when I was 25. So it was just something that was a part of me that's in me that tells me that, okay, I have to do this. And it's been the things that as uh, Pastor Thomas spoke of, those things allow me at a young age to be able to relate to those who are still going through those same things. So me being able to relate, you know, I wear that. I wear that as a badge. I wear it as a badge of honor now because, not honored because of what I, you know, the things that I did that weren't worthy of God's likeness, but to be able to use that to bring others into the kingdom. Mm. So I do know that the anointing is upon me, you know, and me and Pete, he, he, he jokes on me all the time. He said, I can't run, but too long. So, you know, I, I do know that, you know, having that anointing, you have to be able to understand and not fear being judged by others, you know, and being so young is, is it's kind of amazed. Some people are amazed at it. Like, you know, you talk this way, and some people sometimes think I'm older than what I am, but I'm not. And, you know, I just like to be in the company of wisdom and be in the company of those who are Christ and Christ-like and Christ-minded. But knowing that the anointing that you have, you should use that. And people don't understand that, you know, people have gifts, but some people, are, everybody's not anointed. But you have to know, you have to know that you want to get to that next level of anointing that you may have. You have to be able to put that forth and not be afraid to, as like I said, Tom, Pastor Thomas says, wear those things. Let people see that you have been dirty. People are not going to, people won't be as, as acceptable to those who haven't been dirty before. If I, if you can't tell me about, you know, this and that. You can't tell me about the drug game if you haven't dabbled in it, and or tell me about, you know, certain certain situations. Mm-hmm. A person who's come out, of, you know, like a female, a, a lady who had a, a, a long past. And she's coming to Christ now. She can tell another young lady who's going on the same path, and it can recollect, it can recollect to that that young lady faster than it could from a person who hasn't never gone who has ever gone through that. As a young man, as, as with being a father and going through certain things as a father, you know what me and P are preaching because we've gone through that. We're able to reach those males who now at a younger age, and us being young men, we're able to reach those people because they understand. Okay, them guys have really gone through it, and they see Christ in us. And we ask, we want to show that Christ is in us. So, you know, that anointing that you can't run from it. You can't run from the anointing. And, you know, like I said, that's what Pete tells you, you can't run from it. And, you know, I've, I've chosen 
to to wear that and let that be and let it you know shine upon me and I and I hope that you know that's something that people would choose to understand. Well, I will double up on it, Rashad, just to let you know you can't run from it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't run from it. You shouldn't run from it. You think about the Apostle Paul. He's the greatest persecutor of the church, and he meets Christ, and his life has changed dramatically. Yeah. And yet he constantly points back to, this is what I was. Yeah. If you look at what he says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians, remember what you were. And he points them back to that. And, and part of that process is about about being reminded that it's God's grace that saves us and changes us and transforms us. It wasn't that we were good, whether, whether like myself, I mean, I'm a guy that got saved when I was 11 years old. That's great. I didn't dabble in any of that stuff. That's fine. It doesn't make any difference. At the end of the day, it took just as much of God's grace to save me as it did the, the worst person that we could imagine. Because we're all sinners and we all fall short of God's grace and and, and, and all fall short of his mark of holiness. Mm-hmm. But it's absolutely true that he uses us uniquely so that somebody who has a, a past that's much different than mine has an ability to relate. In fact, this past year, we had a guy come in for the Easy Rider Rodeo. I'm a, I'm a motorcycle guy, too. Not like not like Pudge. I don't ride a lot real fast. I just I stop at 100. But at any rate, you know, I, I, you. I shut it down. Yeah, I, I slow it down. But um, we went down to Easy Rider Rodeo, and we had, a, we had a booth down there with a guy named Machine Gun Preacher come in. And it was real interesting. We just I had a conversation with John Green, the executive director of Easy Rider magazine and, and the event. And when he was talking about Sam Childers, the machine gun preacher guy, he said, he's one of us. And it, and it struck me that what he was talking about, I ride a bike, and I've ridden, I ride a lot. I ride 12,000, 13,000 miles a year. I'm going to ride to California this summer and back. I ride a lot. But I don't have that kind of reputation. And so Sam is able to minister in that community in a way that I cannot and that's what you guys are talking about when you talk about history and you talk about your, your past and experiences and, and sort of living in that, living out that reality. God has used that stuff. And indeed, I would argue God has shaped you that way in order to use you in those unique positions. It doesn't make any one of us better than the other. It makes us used and utilized differently by God. And that's what a, that's what a body is supposed to be, different parts, each one doing its work. Let me um let me let me let me uh go to a caller here real quick, man. A caller out of the eight four three caller you on the air with everybody. How you doing? <laughs> hey, this is Spike Cohen, Pudgy. How are you doing? Spike, what's up, my brother? What's up? I uh, I tried calling in a few times and it didn't work, so I just kept calling in until it worked. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. We probably got I, I don't know how many callers on here, but we got you on because I saw your post. What do you have to say to the folks? Well, first of all, I want to say I'm my call kept coming in and out, like I said, and I haven't been able to pick it up, so I don't know if this was already touched on or not. Okay. But um, I think, you know, a lot of people focus on the mark of the beast being something physical, and it, and it could be, and I'm not a theologian to be able to dispute that, but I think sometimes I start to think that the mark of the beast could be something a lot more personal and individual. I mm-hmm. think that that mark happens when you, we as individuals, stop looking up for to God for the things that we need in our life or, you know, with our uh, troubles and burdens and instead are looking ahead or looking down towards other people, towards mm-hmm. ourselves, towards people that, you know, tell us that they're going to help us with it, uh, to government officials, you know, whomever else that will say, 
you know, oh, we can take care of that for you. We got that for you. Don't worry about it. And it inverts who we are as people. Um, our natural nature is to uh, is to to give to be responsible for ourselves, to give our love to God, and to give our um, to to help people in our community. And it inverts that when you're looking to other people, you end up loving yourself and putting responsibility on others. And that's how you end up with the kind of society that we have, and it's deteriorating. The the family is being destroyed. And, and I don't even mean the statistics that we all know about the higher rates of divorces and the higher rates of uh, children out of wedlock. I'm talking about the fact that back in the day, two generations ago, a cousin coming in from out of town is a reason for everyone to stop what, what they're doing and, you know, set up a big thing and get a cake and everything else. And now when we hear our cousins coming in town, so many of us are, you know, looking for excuses to, you know, why we can't get with that person or, you know, <laughs> oh, we'll see you next time or, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll text you or whatever. So yeah. um, I think I think that's – and probably the worst single example, uh, probably the most manifest example of that beast or, or that, you know, looking to others and, and not taking responsibility is every single day in this country, not in the Sudan or in North Korea or some horrible place that, you know, thank God is over there. In this country, every single day, over 3,000 babies are murdered inside of their mother's wombs for no other reason than because of someone else's choice. Um Wow. And that includes that of a rapist or someone that molested them. They're being punished for other people's choices. And two, three generations ago, that would have been unfathomable, A, that that would be allowed, and B, that we'd be expected to pay for this to happen as a communal thing. Mm. So I just, you know, I, I do think that it's possible that there's, you know, people will talk about the chips and things like that. That could very well be, you know, a mark of the beast, but I, I think a big mark of the beast is how, and I, and I say we because I, I struggle with it too, how we act. Right. We're acting like a damn beast when, you know, we're doing these things that <laughs> God, you know, hates and, and is a reason for him to turn his back on us. Ooh, I can't, I can't, you know, getting more back on the topic, you guys, I I, I think generally a, a lot of what you said made sense. And, and that's actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask the panel here is that, you know, speaking on the mark of the beast, is it something that's, physical i mean is it an actual physical mark that folks should be looking towards or is it something uh uh, uh that is it a mental is it something that's in the heart is it you know is it a belief is it an ideal what do you guys think it is if i could take that i had um when you had mentioned pudgy we we're going to talk about this subject the first thing came to my mind was you know we talk about the mark of the beast but we never talk about the mark of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think about, you know, why do we always go natural? It's because we're naturally minded. We're we're still holding on to Adam. He's still very naturally minded. But are these would it does it does it even really matter? That's the question I think. You know, when when Daniel and Joseph worked in pagan evil empires and they wore the garb of those evil empires did they become the evil empire? I don't think so. If I take a natural chip or if I have a big 666 tattoo on my forehead, the question is, does it really matter? I mean, because listen, I mean, this, the, the faith is all about a matter of the heart. He who believes in his heart mm-hmm. and, and confesses with his mouth is, is, is going to be saved. So this is a matter of the heart. Um, I, we got people in the biker uh, culture 
who have tattoos from their old life, they get born again. Are they not saved until they lose that tattoo? We can, we can get ridiculous. So the question for me is how do we take the mark of the Lord and avoid the mark of, uh, of the beast? If you look in Revelation 7, you see that there is a, a vast host uh, of people, and they will they will take the the mark of the Lord. And you can see throughout history that there have been people that have taken the mark of the Lord. You can see it in their actions. Um, we see that uh, in a, I don't mean to talk about the host. I was talking about four angels, four angels holding back the four winds. And it says that they're holding back the four winds until those who are marked are marked by the mark of the Lord, with the mark of the Lord. I want to take the mark of the Lord. And uh, those who take the mark of the beast, um, those who take the mark of the Lord will not receive the mark of the beast. And the way you receive the mark of the Lord is by worshiping him. Hmm. Those who worship the lamb. And Do you think it's possible for people who who has taken the mark of the Lord to accept the mark of the beast also? If you take the mark of the Lord, you will not take the mark of the beast. It's impossible. That's the only way that I believe we can be truly uh, kept from taking that mark of the beast. And 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 here's here's the here's the scripture interpret scripture Exodus seven uh, Exodus no Exodus twenty one talks about the bond servant. I think it's verses four and five, hovering somewhere in there, talking about those who are bond servants. They're with their master for seven years. After those seven years, if they choose to stay with their master, they take a mark. There, and it, it's a particular mark of a mark of of the earring through the ear, and that is their that is their way of making an outward show that I permanently belong to my master because I love him, because I revere him, and it's a lifelong call to service. So spiritually. And, and for me, I, I look at the spiritual before I look at the natural. Because to me, if we're living in him, it doesn't matter what's on the outside. It matters. You, a man is known by his fruit. A person is known by his fruit, by what he does, by the things he says. And so if, I'm, if I take that mark, uh, then um, I'm saying I'm going to live a life of unadulterated, uncompromising obedience to my friend to my master. Because he's not he's not just my master. He is my friend. But the idea that he's my master is that he's in control. He's in charge. I am his and he is mine. Well well it, let me again it goes back to a relationship, people. I mean that's the thing I think we we have to constantly remind ourselves of that this mark of the Lord is that he's put his mark upon us. We right. are his. Let me, let me ask you. Let me ask everybody this, and 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 I, I mean, I'm I'm really serious about this because there's a lot of changes being made in our society today. I mean, technology is really changing before us, whether we like it or not. Some for the good and some for the bad, and and it's and it's really a convenience thing. But from where I sit, I see an increasing, uh, let's say RFID type of type of thing. You know, we're we're seeing more of these chips in. In everyday society, in all things that we use, in our in our cards, in our clothes, in in you know detect metal detectors, and you know uh, theft devices, and all sorts of sorts of things out here. But my, I guess my question is this, right? 
once upon a time, we actually got a physical check when we worked a job. And there's a lot of people out there who don't get checks anymore. A lot of people get statements saying that, hey, your money has been direct deposited. So in a society today, in the physical now, I'm just asking in the physical, because if this were to take place, I think a lot of people would still be asking the question, is this the mark? Is this the mark? So how would you guys feel and would you do this if your company decided that, hey, you know what? We're not going to use paper checks anymore. We're not going to use direct deposit anymore. And if we do use direct deposit, you're going to have to wait two weeks to get paid versus getting paid every week or a month to get paid versus getting paid every week if you take this RFID device, which is cost efficient and safer for you. If we decided to go on something like that, how many people would actually do this and how many people would not accept that? In my, in my opinion, in this generation, yeah, it would probably be most people would be opposed to it. However, what we see in our culture is that what one generation does in moderation, the next one does to excess. Yep. And so, for, for as, as you continue, as, as our culture continues to, to degenerate, there's going to become an, an increasing willingness of people for the sake of safety and security to give up personal liberty and they will no longer I mean look you guys had a big blow up thing big to do big conversation last week about the comment about your children belong to the government yeah. kind of kind of mentality yeah. well the chip the, the kind of chip mentality says your bodies belong to us too and I think that's what Sunny was talking about when she said it it, it detracts from who who has created you and who you really are yeah and so um I think, like I said, in, in our generation, I don't think many people would would embrace that kind of thing. But but as this generation currently that that's come up, and I mean, look, I'm 42 years old. I'm not an old man yet. I don't think anyway. But <laughs> in, the, in the generation under me that that's, that swims in post modernity and doesn't doesn't have any sense that there's a right and a wrong to things, the generation that follows them, my kids, children, my grandchildren's generation. I wouldn't be surprised at all. In, in their mind, it would be it'd be no different than the fact that today we consider if you don't have a cell phone, there's something wrong with you. And 25 years ago, we'd have thought cell phones are for rich people, and that's it. It's an exclusive club. And and so my my point is culturally, there's, there's no moral foundation on which to base these kinds of, of of decisions about whether you do it or not. I would be morally opposed to it. I'd be biblically opposed to it, yeah. but that doesn't that doesn't mean that the rest of the culture would be. Right. I'd find a different place to work if, it, if my company isn't said it, that. It, isn't it possible though? And, and this kind of this is kind of my aspect of the whole market of beast thing, though. It, isn't it possible that this could be? A representation of the market of beast. This could be an ideal of being a market of beast because people will give up their simple liberties for a paycheck for an ideology that, hey, the government now controls us because, frankly, once you take upon something that you don't control, you are its property, whether you like it or not. And just that ideal, you know, ideally it would be a mark symbolic to ownership, symbolic to a mark of an entity versus uh, of God. Well, my my disposition as far as theologically and biblically would be that, we can we can take anything in our culture and say, gee, this looks kind of like something that might be in the in the Bible. So let's let's make sure that that's what that is. Right. Um, 
do I think RFDs are the mark of the beast? No. I think Nero was, was, was the beast that was being referred to, and I think 66 was the number of his name. And in the Latin Vulgate, it's 616, not 666. Uh-huh. And so, so I, I'm on a different page as far as that's concerned. I don't ever think of anything as the mark of the beast. I don't look forward to it. I'm not afraid of it. I don't have any of that kind of stuff going on because my eschatology is different. Right. Having said that, I will say anything that demands your allegiance above Christ right. is satanic. Yep. And, and if we want to refer to it as a mark of the beast, if we want to refer to it as Satan, if we want to refer to it as the enemy, it doesn't matter to me. Anything that says, I own you, or I can make demands on you, or I can demand your allegiance over and above your allegiance to Jesus Christ, that's a problem. That's one of the issues that churches and Christian organizations have with the president's health care plan, for example. It demands our allegiance above our allegiance to the scripture that tells us life is precious and life should be valued. And it's unacceptable for Christians to say we're going to set aside our allegiance to Christ in favor of our allegiance to health care or to a president. Well, that's kind of so, that's kind of what I wanted to, to that's kind of what I was getting at and and where I was going with this thing because I mean, let's face it, it, it there's so many entities out here, there's so many ideals. And, and it's important we say ideals too, uh, Pastor Folchek, because I, I think we've already established that a, a a belief in the mark of the beast or a mark of the beast at all or RFID or whatever you want to call it, the ideal of accepting something that that you give up your total control of yourself to is is ideally symbolic of Satanism to me, to mm-hmm. me because you uphold that higher than God, and that's why I can equate. Or, or I can I can uh, I can understand where people would attribute uh, an RFID implanted inside of your body, which gives up your rights and your liberties to uh, uh, an entity like the federal government or local or state government or whoever controls that device. You know, I can appreciate how people could see this as being, hey, you know what, this is the beast is what we're talking about because it, you know, all, let's let's face it, all bets are off. You know, all bets are off if you give up your health to an entity like the federal government who can't even control a post office, who can't even run an appropriate yeah, right. business. Every single business that the federal government runs or controls or, or has control of, it, it, it loses. You know, mm-hmm. it fails. It, none, of, none of the business that the federal government controls is prosperous. So what makes folks think that our health care, which is, which is more important than anything that we have, that belongs to us, our health care, other than our souls, our health, our well-being, what makes people think that the government can do it better than what we can? Well, look, you know, you know you're in trouble when the vast majority of people who succeed in the government are people who failed in the private sector. I mean, that's just the reality. Right. If you, if you fail in the private sector, you succeed in the government. And where I come from, if you fail in the private sector, it's because you don't know how to conduct business. Well, well, another another thing that um that needs to come into the conversation, I think, is that when you were talking about people's willingness to give up their liberty and freedom um for you know temporary security, and that's kind of the age that we're in right now, where North Korea would be scared to death, Iran be scared to death, you know um. Whatever country, wherever something sparks up, everybody is supposed to be scared. And it mm-hmm. goes back, if you put it back to that chip, think, it, it to me, it is it is more about mind control Dahlia. than it is mm-hmm. about any other kind of control. 
because it gives you a false sense of of allegiance. You know, like we can say we have an allegiance to our flag, we have an allegiance to our country, but when you have something implanted in you, you know what I'm saying, like literally mm-hmm. implanted in you and that you know is inside of you yeah. from someone else or from any entity, you know what I'm saying, any entity mm-hmm. at all, You, it is very impossible for you to... Turn that off in your mind. And, you know, it's like having cancer. You know, it's like that moment when a doctor tells you you have cancer or you have some kind of disease. Yeah. It's your body. What else can you think about but the fact that that's in your body? Mm -hmm. I think that it crushes, it, it takes us back to flesh. Our flesh is weak. And it takes us back. To, to flesh, to where we are actually back at thinking about our flesh, not thinking about our souls, not thinking about um, everlasting life, not thinking about that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but we're focused on our flesh because it's something implanted in it. And I think that that is the biggest thing because it's the fear factor. You mm-hmm. can be wiped out. You could, someone can hack, someone can, it's always a fear factor. And it's constantly and constantly they're going to push this fear factor on you and you got this chip under your skin and you're thinking about your flesh. In all of that scenario, there is no room for God. There is, you yeah, know, and, and I think that that's the whole point is the mental, is the mental aspect of overloading us with so much that we cannot focus on what we should truly be fearful of, and that is the fear of not having that personal relationship. And I think that when you have that chip implanted, it will take away from the American psyche Mm -hmm. about looking for things outside of ourselves. I think it's a lot easier to convince people that your children belong to the collective when you go to the collective to get a chip put in them. You know what I'm saying? Like, once mm-hmm. you take that step to get it put in, I think that you pretty much accepted that your child now belongs to the collective. And that's how you're going to think from now on. And that's what I think it's mostly about. It is mostly about the control factor that once someone tells you something is inside of your body, other than, you know, God, or other than that spirit, the Holy Ghost, or other, you know, other than that, that's what you focus on. And well, I think all this, that's all the stuff, whether, whether it's the, um, the RFID chip, whether it's gun control efforts, whatever it is. So, look, I even say this about instant replay in sports, okay? All of this stuff is an attempt to beat back the effects of the fall. It's an attempt to live as if we don't live in a fallen world. Mm. And the reality is we live in a fallen world for the sinful people who do evil things and who make bad decisions. And that's the reality. And the answer to that is in Christ. It doesn't mean that we never make a bad decision again. It doesn't mean we never do an evil thing again. But the antidote is outside of ourselves. And the effort, whether it's RFID chips or these other things I've mentioned, it's an effort to say we can create a pain-free, secure world. And the phrase gets banded around every time something like a new town happens, that nothing like this ever happens again. And you just can't guarantee that. Not in a fallen world for the sinful people. You can't guarantee it. But, but I think that's what it's driven by. It's driven by an effort to create 
uh, a world that's not affected by the fall and, and, and lives in denial that we live in a sinful world. Well, Rashad, yeah, there Rashad, was, I'm sorry. There was a, a, a Christian pastor, um, his wife, they were very concerned that, that H.R. 3200 mm-hmm. would include this, and that was the original Obamacare bill, would right. include the RFID, the, the chip, the chip. And so they, they called, contacted me because they know I'm heavily involved in the Tea Party, and they also know that uh, I'm a Christian and I've studied these things. So they, I said, this is not to be a, a concern of yours. That's been scrubbed out. That isn't to say that it's not going to be inserted. Of course, now Obamacare is 15,000 pages long, so God only knows what's in there. It's a short, it's a short essay, easy reading. Um, but, you know, that's, that's where a lot of fear comes in, especially with Christian leaders. Um, and it's sad that this fear has taken over. You know, and, and Daniel says that the evil one would, would uh, wear out the saints. And we are worn out primarily with fear. And this kind of, to me, this is all hypothetical. Um, for yeah. me, I'm not going to take any mark that takes away my right to have complete control over my life under God. Um, I'm, I'm complete liberty, complete freedom, complete personal responsibility. That's my that's my mo. Um, but for me, and I think you guys are hitting on this our allegiance is to the Lord. And if we do that, if we have that allegiance firmly set, then that'll be the filter through which everything is judged. Sure. We won't take we won't take certain marks. We won't pledge allegiance or worship the beast. Worshiping the system of the beast. Um and by the way, we haven't mentioned this, but the mark on the forehead and on the right hand is very symbolic. It speaks of thought. And actions, and we have to begin to. Act, and, and the caller mentioned this earlier about acting beastly. Mm-hmm. We have to, and, and the idea of holiness comes in here too. If our mind is marked with God, and our hands are marked with God, then our thoughts and our actions are going to reflect His nature. If we have that mark on our forehead and our hands from the beast, our thoughts and actions will reflect the beast. And to me, it's it's a lot bigger than just Satan. This, the beast is the systems of this world. Mm-hmm. The systems of this world that control the political, the educational, the medical, you name it. Even Absolutely. The religious. I, the, you know, the religious spirit, to me, is one of the most evil spirits in the world because it comes as an angel of light. And it comes looking like God. It comes quoting the scripture. And it's coming clothed in self-righteousness, which to the undiscerning looks like holiness and righteousness. And so we have to be able to discern those things and reject it because our ear has been given that mark. Which that sounds a lot like black liberation theology to me. <laughs> if that could be considered a mark, because if you can take... If you can take the tenets of Marxism and and then pick out the parts in the Bible that you like and then turn it into a religion in and of itself that still falls under the banner of Christianity, I think that that's the biggest, that's a huge problem um, of them, of preaching, just preaching black liberation theology in the first place. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, not only that. 
Yo. Hey, Pudgy. I, I, I don't want to interrupt. But Pudgy, you still there? I'm here. Look, man. Look. I have loved this conversation. And I'm going to say something to you that I can guarantee you you've never had a guest say to you before. Okay? <laughs> What's that? Are you ready? I'm ready. I, you've never had anybody say this to you before. I'm going to say it. Here's the, here's the deal. I got a date in the morning. Uh-oh. With some turkeys. Huh? Okay. <laughs> like real, real thunder chickens, real turkeys out in the woods, and I gotta be there at four o'clock. Some turkeys. Yeah, man, I'm going turkey hunting tomorrow. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna man. go out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna dust me some birds in the morning. All right. I like so I'm, that. <laughs> I'm saying that. I'm saying that because I got. I'm gonna have to roll, man, because I got to get up at four o'clock to get out in the woods, and and this this brother needs to sleep. You know what? I, and, and look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I guarantee you've never heard on any other radio show before, <laughs> ever. Okay. I mean, listen, right. and prob- nobody's probably never said it to you because sometimes you know y'all pass, y'all get long winded, y'all get in the spirit, and people ready to go. And sometimes huh? y'all get the feeling it. No, so I'm going to no. say something that people don't really say to too many pastors too many times. And I know I it hasn't been said on the radio show, but guess what? What's that? You ready? I'm ready. I got I got a drum roll you too now. Are you ready? I, I'm, I'm here, man. I'm sitting down. I am ready. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the KRB Radio Show. It is time to go. Shout out to Pastor Fry Pocheck for coming on here, who's got a date with some turkeys in the morning. You Shout out it. to my brother Joe Killian, historian in his own right, always holding it down. Wilson Tea Party representing. What's up? Thank you, also sir. Gotta, Thank you. Also got to give a shout out to my brother Kevin Daniels for stopping through, showing us some love. He's gone now. I don't know if he's still listening, but I appreciate it. Also got to give a big shout out to um, evangelist Corey Thomas. Look him up, Thomas Ministries on Facebook. My brother Rashad Woods, vice president of the Love and Father Society. And my sis who co-hosted the show. She's the real host, by the way, if y'all don't know. But shout out to Sonny Johnson at Sonny Johnson, Breitbart.com. She does a B.I.G. Appreciate everybody for listening to the KRP Radio Show. It is time for us to go, and I will catch you guys next week when we are talking about jobs, jobs, jobs. We're going to have folks coming on here telling you guys how to tighten up your resume, how to find a job, how to look for a job, where you can look for a job, and how to obtain and keep that job. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. B.I.G. Shout out to Zan Bun for coming through. Always holding us down in Twitter land. Shout out to C4GC in Greensboro, North Carolina. Always doing big things on that side. And a B.I.G. Shout out to my brothers and sisters of the Love and Father Society. I love being a black father. Look us up. KRPRadioShow.com at symbol K-I-R-P Radio Show. You guys are B.I.G. in my book and I'll catch you guys next week when we talk about jobs. Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real, phony gon' recognize, still, still, I reckon I will. Like we always do with this time.